you may receive our incense, receive our prayers tonight, and remember us from your sanctuary. As we gather in your presence to seek your face and the counsels of God, we ask that you teach us how to keep the path and how to stay on the way by not turning to the left or to the right. Enlighten us tonight with your word. Break every stronghold, every strategy of hindrance against our lives, anything that will detract us and derail us from the will of God. We ask tonight that by your spirit, you may unfold within each and every one of our spirits an understanding of the will of God, of the purpose of God for our lives. Help us to know why we are here, to understand the purpose for which we are here. But above all, help us to recognize your intent with us, what you yearn and desire to do with our lives. We are the clay, you are the porter. So we ask that you may continue to mold us, to shape us, to break us until we become vessels, until we become true handiworks of God. Men and women, sons and daughters that you can use for your glory. Holy Spirit, this is Holy Spirit's tabernacle, so you are always welcome in this place. This is your house, this is your sanctuary, this is your tabernacle. So we ask that by the spirit of wisdom, let that anointing flow all over this place here today as we teach the word of God. And let the transforming power of the Holy Spirit be effective in its working within us. The yoke shall be destroyed and the burden removed because of the anointing. So let that anointing shatter yokes. Let that anointing of God uplift and remove burdens and give us the spirit of praise. For every oppression, for every depression, we ask that you pour upon us tonight the oil of joy and let us overflow with that oil, the oil of gladness. Anoint us tonight as we commune and break the bread of your word. We give you thanks, we give you praise, we give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening. You may be seated. Thank you. Good evening. Luke chapter 11. We haven't met in two weeks, I believe. 
but the last time we were here we were discussing our series on prayer right and structures in prayer and tonight I hope this will be one of those messages that not only becomes an eye-opener for you but also leads you on a path a road of spiritual power of spiritual strength the Spirit of God is working in our lives and it would help us to believe learn to believe in the ability of the Spirit of God not only to work within our lives but to transform our lives uh, I think that one of the reasons why we don't see as many spiritual transformations within our lives is that we fail to believe or acknowledge the ability of the Holy Spirit to do just what he came to do and in one sense I wouldn't blame us because of the lack of adequate and sufficient teaching to help us foster and strengthen that belief in the Holy Spirit. But then I begin asking myself a few questions. For instance, why there seem to be a lack of power. And uh, when I talk about power in this instance, I'm not talking about the power to produce or the power to work. I'm talking about the, the, the strength, the might of power within many of our Christian brethren around the world. And it seems that there, there is, even though the Spirit lives within us, there seems to be a wall between the Spirit of God and our spirit. And we are so close yet so apart that the connection that's needed for that transference of power to take place never seems to take place. It's like there is an insulator between the Spirit's power, the Spirit's current, the Spirit's force and our own ability to receive and that nullifies the power of the Spirit of God to flow over into our spirit. But it is true that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. If that's the case, our spirit should be as strong as the Holy Spirit. Because he says we are one. In other words, we share in, in his strength, in his power. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But that thing is lacking.
So we pray, right? We, we seek God. We, try and follow the precepts set in his word but I am pretty sure if you are honest in all your praying in all your spiritual observances there seems to be something that you know you must attain to but is not within reach something that you know inside that this is this is, this is where I belong. This is where I must be in life. This is what I, I have to or should have attained to by now. But I have not. Remember, he says in Chronicles chapter 7, he says, If my people who are called by my name will what? Will what? Notice, the humility comes before the praying. He didn't say, if my people who are called by my name shall pray. He says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. And then what? Turn from their wicked ways and pray. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord shall not hear my prayer. So, there seems to be something in our spiritual life that makes our prayers ineffective. Because it's not that we don't pray. It's not that we, 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 we don't pray. We pray. But there is a, a weight, a depth in our prayer lives that does not seem to get us the results that we require. Yet men in the Bible were recorded as praying. And God directly answering their prayers. There was no doubt as to whether this was God or a coincidence. It was God. In direct response to how they prayed. So we may ask, why is most of our prayers not being answered? Yet God had given us and has given us an invitation to prayer. These are matters that are confusing. Because if we are honest with ourselves, most of us don't even believe that God will answer our prayers. We pray for this, you know, to, to make us feel spiritual. Or to make us feel good. I hope. Tonight I hope. That. As we share the word of God like this. Something in you will switch on. That will. Change the trajectory. And the speed by which your spiritual life has been moving. That's my hope. Because God cannot lie. You understand? And if we don't have the, the, the results that are caused with the activity that we are participating in, we need to ask God the relevant questions. 
And thankfully, his word provides insight. So Jesus is praying and his disciples are, see him pray. And they say, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And then Jesus said, when you pray, say. And we explain to you that the, the first principle of prayer is the youth, the use of the mouth. Prayer is completed once it, it begins in the heart. You understand that? It begins in the heart. But it is completed through the mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We pray because our hearts are full. You see that? Except your heart is full. David said, my heart indicted a good matter. Except our hearts are full, we cannot pray. So if our hearts are full of questions, our hearts are full of inquiries, our hearts are in need of solutions, he says the natural response of your spirit is to pray. So he says when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. We touch on the kingdom, right? And then he says, your will be Your will, oh shine Your will be done where? On earth as it is in heaven. Look at the order. Worship. The kingdom. Then your will be done on earth. So, God has a will for the earth. God has a set will, a set plan, set purposes that he had outlined that he intends for them to happen in the earth. But Jesus says, pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As to suggest that that will cannot be enacted on the earth transacted on the earth except God has conduits, vessels, doors to execute that will. So by Jesus telling us, by Jesus telling us to pray, he's also alluding to the fact that God needs us in order for him to establish his will. So prayer and our prayer becomes what? Becomes the avenue through which God executes and establishes his plan. So the will of God must be done. If it is not done, it is not perfect. So we don't, we don't have God's will. He has it. He knows what is in his mind. He knows his own will. He knows what it is that he wants to be done. So prayer affords us the opportunity to get inside the mind of God and discern what is his will in the earth. What is his will for the earth? As it is in heaven. So it's telling us that whatever will that God has for the earth will mirror 
the heavens will meet up what has already been established in heaven. So the, the way heaven is, is the way God desires the earth to be. Now, we are talking about the earth in a general, in a generic sense, right? This is also applicable to your life. The state of heaven should be and must be reflected in your own life. Jesus says this. Jesus says, peace I give to you, not as the world gives, ah, but my peace I give to you. Now, why, why peace? Why doesn't he say love I give to you? Why doesn't he say joy I give to you? Why does he not say uh, uh, happiness I give to you? He says peace I give unto you. Peace I give unto you. Why is peace a fundamental pillar of the kingdom of God? For the kingdom of God is not eat and drink. We will get there, all right? We will get there because I want to touch on something there. For the kingdom of God is not eat and drink, but it is what? It is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And Jesus, peace I give unto you. What is it about peace? that is required to be a fundamental anchor within the Christian's life. What is it about it? The word peace, you know what it means? It's a Greek word, erin. Erin. A-E-I-R-E-N-E. Erin. Erin means the tranquil state that governs heaven. That's what Irene means. It is, it is the harmony of heaven. It is the environment that rules in heaven. Peace. The absence of agitation. The absence of frustration. The absence of confusion. Such that the presence of such brings about a clarity of the purposes of the intent and counsel of God. Without peace, there is no clarity. So our spiritual lives will continue to be agitated, frustrated, oppressed without peace. That's why he says, not the peace of the world, because that's circumstantial. But he says, my peace, the peace by which I rule heaven. So every Christian needs that peace in order to to successfully execute the will of God in prayer. So God is always peaceful. Nothing agitated. He's always peaceful. So he says, I leave you with my peace. That's why it is impossible to be close to God and not be peaceful. One of the signs that a man or a woman walks with God is their ability to master peace even in the midst of adverse circumstances. Oh, yes. 
because it is a peace that only he can give. So the only way to access that peace is closeness to him. Isaiah 26 verse 3, he says what? He said, you shall keep him in perfect peace. There is such a thing as perfect peace. Perfect peace. And the peace of God shall garrison your heart and mind. He said, that is the peace that surpasses all understanding. But he says, perfect peace, whose mind, whose mind, Who's not to his, he does not say his whose spirit. He says whose mind. Whose mind is stayed, is fixed on you. So the ability to access the peace of God in your life will be carried out by the strength of your concentration and ability to concentrate on him. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith he alters it in other words he he initiates it and then he does what he perfects it he completes it so he says you keep him in perfect peace whose mind notice he says the use of the mind is what increases the peace of god in your life and he says when you do that he keeps you in perfect peace the, the word there is shalom Shalom. That is a state that God functions in. Peace. Peace. You see that? Peace. So if you find yourself frustrated, confused, unclear about certain things in your life, it is due to the lack of peace. And that tells you something, that your mind is disturbed. That your mind, that something in your soul is driving you away from Christ, is driving you away from the Lord, is moving your, your attention away from God. So he says, let your will be done. Let it be done. Let it be established on earth, here on earth. So the manifestation of his will is here on earth. It may be written in heaven, but it is played out on earth. So he says, let your will be done. Let your will be done as it is in heaven. So the reason why he said that was to eliminate all doubt as to what God's will looks like. He says, it is mirrored by heaven. Hallelujah. So he says, let your will be done. All of us here, in order for us to find our feet on the path destined for us, it is directly linked to whether or not we are moving in accordance with God's will, in accordance to what has been written about us. What has been said, what has been said that Pumi will achieve here on earth, where she will live, how she will live, what she will do for the kingdom. God does not measure you. His metrics, his, the scales of judgment are not based on your chronological aging or chronological progress. No, it's not even based 
heaven does not see how oh lord heaven does not see how you you live naturally as much as it sees how you live spiritually it is the spiritual progress that heaven focuses on the most because that is what's linked to your what to the will of god so the choices the decisions that we make impact the direction in which our lives will go jesus said this he says i judge with righteous judgment for i do not seek my own will but the will of him who sent me so there is a will that jesus came to fulfill and jesus required to do certain things in order to have him successfully fulfill that will notice everything he ever did was the will of god yes Every word he ever spoke was the will of God. Every act, every action he ever took was the will of God. And Jesus became our model, our pattern of emulation. So his, his, his prime objective in life was the fulfillment of the will of God of God. He demonstrated it by the acts he did, by where he went, by what he did, by what he said. And everything he did was the will of God. This is amazing. Because it tells us that a man can live from the day they are born to the day they die outside of what God wills for their life. Prayer is the starting point. Prayer is the starting point. Whether or not you are yet to discover his will or are trying to find your way back to his will, prayer is the starting point. So, you, you rarely find the revelation of God's will outside the chambers of prayer because it must be prayed through you. Do you understand that? It must be prayed through you. The degree to which you would potentially function in God's will is determined by the intensity of your prayer. Because prayer is the access point. So the more one prays, the likelier they will find themselves in God's will. Because God's will, brothers and sisters, is something that not only you find yourself in, but it is the power that attracts, the power that creates the right circumstances, the perfect situation to suit what God intended for you. So what God's will, if you are in God's will, whatever happens in your life would have been arranged by the force, by the power behind that will. Romans chapter 8, he says, and we know that all things functions for the good of them who love God. All things. All things 
functions for the good of them who are the called according to his purposes. So the all things, the functioning of those things for your good is determined by whether or not you are in the will of God. That's why the, the death on the cross were to the thief acts or, uh, or experiences of condemnation. But for Jesus, it was victory. Same cross, the same way they died, but it meant two different things. To the one, it was truly condemnation, but to the other, it was victory. He says he triumphed over them in it the cross. But for them, they were condemned. The same thing, why? The death on the cross was Jesus' will, I and mean, it was God's will for Jesus. The thief's death was because of the consequences of their own sins. One was God's will, the other was not. When, when Lot was sent out speedily by the angels outside, out of Sodom and Gomorrah, the instruction to the angels says, Do not. Do not even look back. Bible says they ran. And then the Bible says Lot's wife turned. And in the, interestingly, in the New Testament, when Jesus was teaching, he said, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. So Jesus. Confirm the legitimacy of that experience. Bowser's when she turned, she turned into a pillar of salt. Yet at the same time Sodom was burning, Abraham was looking towards Sodom. Bowser said, Abraham woke up early to stand before the Lord and looked and saw Sodom burning. To the one, it was not what attributed as God's will. The instruction was not given to Abraham, so he was unaffected. Samson. Samson was told from a young age that he should not drink, he should not cut off his hair, he should be a Nazarite to the Lord all the days of his life. Samson, when he became of age, he told his parents, yes, after the law was given, that thou shalt not cohabitate. With, with people or women of other nations. You shall not intermingle with other nations lest you serve their gods. When he became of age, he told his parents, go find me a wife among the Philistines. Their parents said, no, we cannot do such for it's not against, for it is against the law. And verily the Bible says, and he pursued them until they did it. Then the Bible says something strange. He says, for his parents did not know that this thing was of the Lord. That he might destroy the Philistines. If any other person had tried to do that thing, it would be reckoned as sin. Why was it not sin for Samson? Samson could sleep with prostitutes and shake himself and the Spirit of God will come upon him. It had to do with the will of God. 
So the strange thing about the will of God is that there is a tailored will, a tailored plan for Pumi that is different from Charles. That they may walk the same path, but what is required of her and him is two different things. That she would do certain things that God would find offensive if he does it. So the only way to, to have clarity as to the do's and don'ts in your life is in prayer. So the more I pray, the more the Spirit of God draws me to the plan, to the will, to the intents of God for my life. You do not need a degree in the study of God's will for you to walk in God's will. Did you get what I said? You do not need a degree in theology to know God's will. You don't have to even be educated to know God's will because God's will is something intangible. It is something in the spirit. It is something in heaven that God predestined for you, allocated for you, that once you come on this earth, this is the thing. To Jeremiah, he said, before you were born, I knew you and I ordained you as a prophet unto the nations. So there is a knowledge. And notice, God only revealed that knowledge to Jeremiah when he was 17 years old. Yet he knew him before he was born. Yeah. So for Jesus to tell us to pray for the will of God is to indicate that we must begin to desire what is God's will for our life. Why sense the prince of God? What is God's will for our lives? What God wants for our lives? He said it is something in heaven. It is something hidden in the heavens. Only prayer can bring it down. Oh. I'm going somewhere, okay? Romans chapter 12. Thank you, Jesus. The standard of achievement, I mean, the, the metric of success for God is very different. God does not measure you by the accolades you have gobbled up throughout life. He does not measure you on whether or not you finished school you finished your your matric or you finished your degree that that's not how god measures success and failure the things which are appraised among men are an abomination to god so find out what are those things that men praise so much and you will find out those are things that god hates is it is it the bible amazing and who said this thing not paul jesus not Paul, Jesus. Not Peter, Jesus. I'm going to say this, okay? Even if you do not take the apostles serious, Jesus 
is worth taking serious. His words are worth taking serious. They are, you, you, you know, if, 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 the, if the Bible were courts, all right, the laws would be the high court. You know, the, the, the apostles and the epistles would be the general court. Jesus would be both the supreme court and the constitutional court. Only Jesus said, you heard that it was said in eye for an eye. But verily I tell you, <laughs> if you are beaten, do not return. He changed the entire structure of Moses' law. Only Jesus did that. Since you, you, you heard that it was told you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, if you so look to a woman in within your heart, says you have done it. Only Jesus only that's why he said, if you keep my commandments, you are my friend. He says in Moses' law. So the best commandments to keep are the commandments that Jesus stipulated. So the church has so fixated itself around the commandment that they know nothing about the commandment of Jesus. One of the highest commandments is you shall love one another. It says you are my friend if you keep this thing. The Gospels present to us the history of Christ, but His words are timeless. His words are timeless. The one who spoke in the Gospels is still alive today. The one who spoke in the Gospel, every other person he ministered to, every other person he lived, who lived in his time, in his generation, is no longer living. So any day, any time, if, if all you had, listen to me, if all you, you had, if, if all we had as Christians were those four Gospels, it would be enough to bring us into maturity. It would be enough to bring, to bring our spirits to conform to Jesus Christ himself. It would be enough. Because every other thing is a product of inspiration except Jesus. Every other word in the Bible is a product of inspiration. Inspiration by the Spirit. Only the words of Christ Jesus did not need any inspiration. He was inspiration himself. So when he says, let your will be done. In prayer, say that as it is in heaven. He's telling you, ask to get inside. Ask to get access. Because the only way you can know and understand the will of God in the earth is if you see and know and understand the will of God in heaven. Romans 12. Okay, we still have an hour, so there's no time. Yanda Saretu Sikrania. 
See, I want you to see this in a new light, okay? Verse 1. I beseech you. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your as a living, holy to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. You know what I'm trying to help get you into? A dimension missing in your life to get the results that you've been desired. <coughs> A degree is not the solution. A job is... Listen, if you are still... Seeking for job. If you are still hope. And do not be con. Yeah. And do not be conformed to this world. Now the word that he uses. Let me read the amplified. Okay. And then we'll go into our. Greek stuff. <coughs> okay? Let me read the Amplified. It says, And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and traditions. What runs this world? The spirit of the world, how does it function? What does it use to get mankind under its authority? No money, traditions, right? Culture, right? And these three are the most powerful force that the spirit of the world has been using to lure us away from God. Think about this. Did the system begin first? Or did the kingdom begin first? What came first? The system or the kingdom? What came first? What came first? What came first? Yeah? The kingdom came first. The kingdom came first. Yeah? Are you agreeing or? <laughs> I, I want to know if I, I should move forward. The kingdom came first. 
hear about 60%. The kingdom came first. Yes. Alright. The obvious thing is Genesis, right? Right? That's the obvious thing. It's Genesis. But would you be shocked if I told you that that's not the case? And I can prove it to you. Remember this. After they sinned, it was before they, they ever did anything of significance in the earth. Adam and Eve. The Bible says they were thrown out of the garden. Correct? And in that period, it so happened that they gave birth to one son and the other, right? And the other killed the other. By that time, Adam was aimless, purposeless. He was probably a farmer. Because there wasn't much. <laughs> Why? Because his firstborn was what? Cain. Cain was what? Cain was, Cain was a farmer. Cain was the firstborn, right? So Cain was what? A farmer. So where did he learn to be a farmer? It was Abel who was a shepherd. But Cain was a farmer. He was the firstborn. So he must have obviously learned the trade from his father. And God said to him, he said, you shall eat of the sweat of your bro, and the earth shall not yield to you. Ah. So he told you he was a farmer from the beginning because he was created to what? To till the ground. Yeah. So the only difference is that he was a farmer outside of the empowerment of God. He was doing it in his own mind. Anyways, so he, he stopped at fulfilling God's vision because he said he put him in the garden to take care of it. Now, the garden had no one to take care of it. He was outside. The caretaker had now been cast out. So we, in Genesis, we, do not, we did not have, or God did not have enough time to be the foundations of the kingdom. He did not have enough time. Because after probably 30 years, bam, he dies. Right? And he's separate from God. So God can't communicate his plan any longer. So God has to hide his plan in prophecy. But then that gave Satan an opportunity. A how many years window? A 4,000 year window. Oh, shucks. A 4,000 year window. That's why in the Old Testament, you don't hear so much about Satan, do you? You barely hear anything about Satan. Why? Because he, he had begun to do something to the social state of the earth. He had created an invisible system that affected every strata and every corner of man's life. And this is, see what I'm teaching you? This is something Satan fights. He will fight with logic. He will fight with education. He will fight. You know why? Because the moment this system is undressed, you realize in life that you don't necessarily need to follow the way of this world to become a successful and even more successful state. 
So God has been struggling with the church to break us out because this system had already been entrenched within the entire architecture of society. So much so that it is so connected that it is difficult. But if, because you, you are programmed by the world first before you come into Christ. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. So what happened in that 4,000 year period? What happened was that when Cain left the presence of God, the Bible says, and he departed. You know, that's so significant. When the Bible says, and Cain departed from the presence of God and he built a city. It tells you the nature, the character of that city was void of any principle of God. So whatever principle, whatever foundation, whatever was governing that city was directly opposed to God. And it did not have the presence of God. And this is something we as God's children must begin to understand. Is that this world, its nature is void of God. There is nobody who's ever went to work and after they returned from work, they fell spiritually by parents. <laughs> Talk to me now. On the contrary, you don't want to pray. It's not, and it's not that inside you don't want to pray, but you're just, you're, your mind is just been too saturated with tiredness, with stress. With depression, with oppression, you can't even think straight. All you want, you're thinking is what? Your bed. <laughs> now, that's one explanation, right? But the entire system, when God in chapter 6 destroyed the entire world, He did not destroy the earth, right? He destroyed what? The the system, the social system. He destroyed the social system. So he says, and do not be conformed to this world with its superficial values. Superficial values. That for you to be important, you must have a beautiful car, wear nice clothes, have money. Superficial values. So what the Bible is trying to do is strip us away, separate us from the world in order for us to see what it really is and what it truly represents. The glory of the Lord fills the earth, not the world. Because there is nothing of God in the social system. Love not neither the things notice the bible preachers have tried to find all sorts of explanations around that because when you start saying love not the world okay it's elective but then the bible says neither the things in the world <laughs> and the word that he uses is agapa which means an affection towards these things because of its danger Kill the love of the Father in you. Not, not God's love for you. Your love for God. 
So he says, do not be conformed. And he uses, he doesn't use the word cosmos here. He uses the word aeon to suggest something. Okay. The Bible says this about Satan. He is the God of this world, right? He is the God of this world. He, he is, not was, he is the God of this world. This world. This world means this age. This period we are in. This period we are in. The whole world is under the sway of the wicked cosmos. So, she still rules the system through what? Through the cultures and traditions he has entrenched in society. For, for instance, if somebody didn't finish matric, generally they don't see a better future for themselves. Why? It's the tradition of this world. It's the way this world is structured. Correct? If you can't get a job, you naturally feel like you're going to suffer. Because the system has, has intentionally hidden money behind corporations. So he says, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed. Don't adapt. The word that conform is to adapt. He says, lose all forms of adaptability to the world. So I must stop adapting to their system. So conformation begins in the mind. But be transformed. Huh? But be transformed by the word that transform is a Greek word metamorphosis. It is a state that a butterfly comes into from a caterpillar. But it says be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Anakinosis. It means to be made new. A restoration. He restores my he restores my so the soul can be restored. The word restores there is, is equivalent to the Greek word renew, which actually means a recorrection as to return it to a previous state. So he says, be renewed in, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So he's telling you that the mind can actually be reset. The mind can be reset. And it can progressively move into altered states. Why is that important? Because the mind we, we have currently, right, is not really inclined to God or to obey God. Says the mind is enmity against God. Is not inclined to obey God. So the mind is unruly. The Bible talks about the law of the mind. The law of the mind. 
So the mind is unruly. The mind is a rebel. Thank you, Lord. The mind is a rebel. Is a rebel against the will of God naturally. Because of the corruption that it underwent through the sin life that it lived. So it's unruly. And it needs to be transformed in order for it to what? To conform. Because the mind we currently possess is a mind that's inclined to the world. The things of this world entices us more than the things of God. True or false? True or false? True or false? <laughs> True. The things of God do not entice us as they should because our mind is still attached to the system, to this world, to this aeon. So he says, you must severe all ties with this aeon. If you don't want your mind to be affected and you want your mind to be transformed, you must cut away all forms of adaptations from this world. Because even though you will pray the will of God, it is the mind that will interface it. So God needs the soul to interface his will in your life because it is in the soul that the will, the, the faculty of the will, the faculty of emotion, the faculty of intelligence resides. So that's why Adam was a genius even though he did not function from his spirit but from his soul. Because that's where all intelligence, all the power of the will resides. The ability to make choices is in the soul. So the bridge between the fulfillment of God's purpose, of God's will for your life, and you is what? By the renewal of your mind that you may what? That you may? The word is dokamizo. It means that you may examine. So you, you cannot intelligently examine God's will except your mind is renewed. So it examines. You know when you go through the airport, you go through the check system, right? And when you have to pass through that uh, scanner. So what that thing is that it examines any metal, any alloy that you have, right? If all is clear, it's green. If maybe there is a metal with you, is what? It turns red and they have to search you. Correct? Is that what Dokamizo? It's to scan, it's to search, it's to discern, it's to examine. So you cannot intelligently examine the will of God for your life. Except what? The soul is renewed. The soul is? The soul is? Remember, the soul is a rebel. The mind is a rebel. It says the carnal mind cannot please God. That's the mind that is what? That is attached to the world. It cannot please God. So he wants the will of God. He says, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So God wants to interface his will in your life. But the soul, the soul is the access point from the spirit into the natural. So he says that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and what? Oh, 
Who proves it? Who proves it? Who proves it? In other words, if something in your life is not God's will, your soul, your renewed soul is able to detect it and immediately remove it. So we have allowed things in our lives that are not God's will. That's why, even though you, you know from your spirit, from the inner witness, from the inner impression that this thing is not God's will, you do not have the power to remove it from your life. Why? Because of the weakness that exists in the soul, that is unable to discern and master the energy and the power to drive it away from your life. This explains why that even though we have troubles, even though we face circumstances, even though we face situations, we are unable to stay on our knees until we have the answer. Because the soul is too, is too carnal to stay in the place of prayer. So something must be done to the soul. He says your body is a living sacrifice. If your body is the sacrifice, that means your soul as well. And he says you, your spirit does the presenting. So something must be done to keep your soul at bay. In order for, for God to achieve his objectives in the earth through you. Yeah. So you receive the prophecy that by this time next year, by this time it's next year, by this time you should have so, so, such and such a month amount of money you should be in such and such a place you should be in such and such a level of life but that year comes and nothing happens why the will was not interfaced so prophecy is hanging in the spirit is hanging in heaven not because there is a hindrance but because the interfacer is unavailable Now it's making sense why there's a complete contrast between your desires and actually them manifesting. You have desires but they are not manifesting. You are praying about it but it's not manifesting. It's not the prayer that's the problem. It's the soul, the interfacing dimension. The point at which that which is spiritual becomes natural. That which is unmanifested becomes manifested. So Paul's been praying for a job, praying for a business for over two years and it's not materializing. Not because God has not already allocated it. Because he says, give us this daily break. So when he prays, there's already a daily allocation, a daily empowerment to achieve that objective. Because prayer is the place where we receive strength, where we receive energy to do the things that are required in this earth. So Paul prays, the energy is there in the spirit he feels it he believes it but the soul because he's a rebel wants something else a brother wants to marry he can't understand why every girl he comes even though he may love her they don't stay and he asked himself, why? I love this person. He feels it. But that person, I mean, there were many, many people who are potentials. They all left. The soul is a rebel. 
You've been telling yourself you will read and read and get this degree. Huh? Two years has passed. You haven't even went through the first semester. <laughs> the soul is a rebel. I said, I hope this message changes you. So something must be done to the soul in order for there to be what? To be harmony between heaven and between earth. You are a representation of earth. The spirit is a representation of heaven. The coming together is what we call harmony, peace. And, and when that happens, the spirit of God can do whatever is required at that moment. So the soul is either the conductor or the conduit or the insulator. You feel that power. You feel, you know, there are people that have prayed for, I feel the power leave me. As fast as it left me, it came back in. Insulator. That means it can't conduct something in the soul. So the soul must be renewed. Yeah, through meditation. Amen. You've been meditating. You're still singing. You've been meditating. You're still broke. You've been meditating. You are still jobless. You've been meditating. You are still depressed. It's a good time to say, Pastor, help me. <laughs> Pastor, help me. <laughs> But no fruit. 
Every prophecy you hear is a confirmation that this is your time, this is your season, that there's no fruit. And every day you go back home, you go to your prayer closet and you say, Father, thank you, this is my time. You've been saying that, it's been three years, it's still your time. Something is happening in the timeline of your life that takes your life and brings your life and the times of God on your life into loops. You're living in a loop, a loop cycle. A loop cycle. But I love God. But I worship God. I serve God. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am praying for your will. The soul is a rebel. Now it's hitting home. Six years you're working that job, no change, no salary increase, no nothing. But there are people who found you there and left you to better jobs and you are still there. What's wrong with me? Yet I do what I need to do. I do. Do you have, do you have, what's it, do you, what do you have? Who do you have there? You have Eric. Give me, you have YouTube? <laughs> yeah, you have? Give me Eric Gilmore, Prophetic Intercession Part 2. You do all these things and you wonder, God, what's wrong? Now I'm speaking to you. Oh, that secret sin. You cry every day, God help me, I'm tired of this thing. But it still finds its way back to you. You have prayed. And God said, my grace is sufficient. I've delivered you. Yokes of affliction. Burdens of wickedness. There's no harmony. The absence of peace. Why? The soul. But there's a solution. If my people shall what? My people shall what? You can't humble, you can't. You, can, you cannot say to God, Father, I'm humbling myself. <laughs> <laughs> you hear them, right? Oh, Morena, right? today. Lord, I'm just humbling myself before you. Remember me. No, you don't humble yourself by, by saying or praying you are humbling yourself. Let's get into it. Brothers and sisters, after tonight, after tonight, if nothing happens in your life, it's all your fault. Because 
I would have given you the missing link, the missing key. The missing link, the missing key. Into an entry, an entry of, of a dimension that's almost been lost in our Christian lives. And yeah, I still need 40 more minutes. Is that fine? Okay? 40 more minutes. Satan knew I was going to teach on this. That's why. Piece of crap. Hey, amen. It's fine. We'll deal with the devil. We there? First Kings. First Kings. They must they must take up that volume. They will not stop us. This message will come out. You're close. Chapter 21. Remember uh, Naboth? Yeah. You remember Naboth? The man with the vineyard? Okay. And Ahab desired his vineyard, remember? And he offered him money, and Ahab said, No, this is inherited land, I can't give you. Ahab, the Bible says, was so discontented. And his wife Jezebel found him and he said, What's wrong? He said, uh, Naboth doesn't want to sell me the land. Jezebel said, Are you not king of Israel? He said, So, so, he said, so the gods do to me. By the end of this day, you will have your land. That Jezebel More powerful than her husband There was a spirit driving that Right? You there? Okay, let's read it Verse 3 But Naboth said to Ahab The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you So Ahab went into his house silent and displeased Because the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, had spoken to him. For he had said, I will give you the inheritance, I will not give you the inheritance of my father. Right? And he lay down in his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said, Why is your spirit so silent that you eat no food? And he said to her, told him all that, all that. Then Jezebel, his wife, says, Exercise your authority, you are king, and so forth, right? 
he took the land finally after killing Jez, Jezreel. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, verse 17, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered also, taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked the blood of Naboth, Dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. Ah! That's a prophecy. And God is sending this man, right? He says, in the place that dogs lick the blood of Naboth, they shall lick your blood also. Have you ever known the Lord to lie? And that was a strong word, right? Hey. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. This is God. I will take away your posterity and will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord spoke, saying, The dog shall eat the blood of Jezebel by the walls of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Notice, says there was no one out of all the kings who had done more wickedly than Ahab. To us who are reading this prophecy, he deserves it. Correct? He deserves it. And the prophecy stated that whatever judgment was coming will begin with him. He was the first to feel the impact of that judgment. Ah. And the Bible further strengthens it and said, No one had done wickedness than Ahab, Jesus Christ. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So it was when, now, now listen to this, listen to this, listen to the response of this man. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. Never prayed. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. There's no one mention of the word prayer there. Never prayed. All he did, strip his clothes, he put on ashes, he laid down in sackcloth, and he fasted and he mourned. Never prayed. It was in response to what God said. Oh, dear Jesus. Right? And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tinsbite saying, See how read it. Huh? Huh? Did he go out shouting, Oh God, I'm humbling myself? What did he do? He fasted. And God says, God says to Elijah, see how Ahab. Humbled himself. This is a wicked man. Yet God was able to pull out humility from that wicked man. 
Did God not just say this was the wicked, most wicked king ever? How is it that this same wicked king, God says, he humbled himself. What he did got the attention of God. Because God called to Elijah again and he said, see how Ahab humbles himself before me. Why would fasting get the attention of God? All he did was fast. The weak, he was the, think about the most wicked person on earth. The Bible says God. God gave him a remark that he was humble. Notice what one act, notice what it did. Notice what it did. It changed, it changed the entire structure of the prophecy. He did not pray. Salwan, look at me. He did not pray. All he did was fast, put sackcloth, and lay there until morning. Never said one word. And that got the attention of Almighty God. And God said, therefore, the thing, Oshan Seprali de Sacrediza, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. She shifted the prophecy from me to the next generation because of one end. Jonah Jonah the book of Jonah the book of Jonah are you seeing something are you seeing something how a king could avoid judgment a king who was wicked could avoid judgment he did not offer sacrifices. He did not go burn incense on the altar. Oh, Shania May you be helped tonight. Jonah. <laughs> oh, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. It's amazing, huh? Yeah? It's amazing, eh? Yeah, don't you find it strange? Yeah? The day the Spirit intends for you to hear the message that will transform your life, things like this happen. Out of all days, It shows you, it shows you that Satan is more afraid that you hear this message than you realize. He's more afraid that you hear this message than you realize. Notice chapter 3 verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise, go to Nimrod, the great city. And preach to it the message that I tell you. Right? Right? Chapter verse 4. 
And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh, Nineveh shall be destroyed. Nineveh shall be overthrown. Forty days. He cried out in the city, Forty days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. Nineveh shall be overthrown. <laughs> now listen to this. When they heard that message, they didn't just sit still. The Bible says, so the, it tells you the way, how wicked that city was that God, God was going to do to it what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. So it tells you the kind of wickedness that was going on in that nation. By the way, yesterday I saw the Atlantic Ocean open. If you're planning to go to Cape Town, these holidays, they plan it, right? <laughs> I saw the Atlantic doors open. The Atlantic doors, the Atlantic, the Atlantic is the ocean, the seas on the coast of Cape Town. I saw those doors open. And I saw Cape Town, all of Cape Town underwater. Whether that is a literal vision or a figurative, a figurative vision, that bears contemplation. God said the stench of that city has come up to him. The angels, they are angels marshalling Cape Town. Just like they marshaled Sodom and Gomorrah. They are zoning that city. You will see very soon. If not early next year, before the end of this year. He had 40 days. Nenma shall be over. Imagine. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Notice, they believed God and they did what? They did what? They did what? They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe and covered himself with sackcloth. Why is it that the people who do not serve God have more insight into this mystery than the many people who serve God? Because these were cities that were ruthless, evil, corrupt. Yet they could access mysteries in the spirit that would allow and cause God to change his mind concerning the judgments he has made. If fasting can avert judgment, I'm not talking about prayer. I'm talking about fasting. If fasting can avert judgment, it can bring good. Notice this. And the king sees it and called decree of the king that no beast, no herd, no animal, no nothing, nobody must taste water, must drink any food from the dog in their houses. Who can tell? This is what the king says. This, listen to this man's reasoning. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may perish? Then God saw their works. Then God saw their works. Now, 
in all of this thing. What's one thing that's missing there? Yeah. Prayer. <laughs> What's one thing that's missing there? Prayer. They are doing all these things. Yet God said he saw their works. He, he saw how Ahab humbled himself. Ahab didn't even whisper one word to God. Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. Imagine, they turned. When did they turn? <laughs> when did they turn? They see, they turned from their evil works. When did they turn? Overnight. Imagine, overnight, that they turned from the evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. How can such... An act provoke God so much. How can such an act provoke God so much? The dimension of power has not been accessed in Christianity. Because we have not understood the mystery of humbling ourselves before God. The word fast, you know what the word fast means? It's the Hebrew word that means soon. Soon. You know what soon means? Who can tell me what soon means? Soon means to cover the mouth. Soon. It means to cover. When they say they proclaim the fast, that means they cover their mouth. The act of covering their mouth provoke God to action. Why? Because God had always had this thing. He never forgot what brought sin into the world. The day you eat, you die. The day you eat, you die. God has always had this vendetta against food. So that he had, he had created a law that if a man will observe throughout all generations, whether he was wicked or whether he was good, God in the spirit would see such an act as humility. Because it is the willful act of man to do what? It is a macrocosm of the metro commandment thou shalt not eat so the way to power has always been thou shalt not eat the way to life has always been thou shalt not eat the way to strength has always been thou shalt not eat the way to prove love has always been thou shalt not eat the way to prove humility has always been thou shalt not eat so god because Adam, his first man, did not respect that command. He determined that he would respect every other man who would fulfill it. Thou shalt not eat. So every other man after that generation that would determine not to eat for a purpose, God would meet him. 
That's why he met the wicked, the most wicked man on earth, Ahab at that time. And he said he humbled himself and he moved the prophecy to the next generation. That's why he delivered an entire city. Because just in one day, because they determined not to eat, God said they have turned from their wicked ways. Why? It goes back to what I told you in Romans. The soul is a rebel. So fast, when a man fasts, he is intentionally afflicting that rebel. It is a way to chastise the soul, to bring it to conformity, to harmony, to renewal, to restoration, so that the things that God has willed in heaven may begin to take place in the earth. I will show you. Let me show you quickly. So what we have done in Christianity is the error of placing prayer above humility. So we pray, but we do not fulfill the first step into approaching God. If they shall humble themselves, if they shall humble themselves, before prayer, humility must present itself. And humility to God is the affliction of the soul. See why the miracle is hanging in the air? It's not that you don't pray. It's not that you don't believe. It's not that you don't desire. But you don't do the one thing that is important. You pray only. Your prayers are always from a position of haughtiness. Whereas prayer, prayer, you know what prayer means? The Hebrew word for prayer, it means to be sick before God. To be weak before God. So we pray a strong man, a strong woman, and we pray and nothing happens. When did, when did God, when did Jesus answer and grant the Syrophician woman her request? When she was standing? No, when she went on her knees. <laughs> so there is a spiritual reality mystery that fasting unlocks is what I call harmony let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so when you decide today I'm not gonna eat I'm not gonna drink that act alone that act alone produces something in the spirit If God could pass out his judgment on people who were not even his servants, who did not even pray, but for their mere act of humbling themselves, God says, I will answer them. I will respect them. He respected their act. Get it? Now you understand why your life has so many areas of confusion. So many areas of unanswered questions, unanswered prayers. You have not humbled yourself. 
Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. What does this world say? Eat, 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 until you die. Why? Because it knows the more you eat, the less connected you will be to the spirit. The more you eat, the less connected you will be to life. The more you eat, the less connected you will be to true power. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The leading of the Spirit into the wilderness was for, was for what? Temptation. It was not for fasting. It was Jesus that took the initiative to fast. Not the Spirit. He was not led to fast. It was Him that decided to. He was, he was sent there to be tempted. He decided to fast. Why? He must have known something about fasting. The initiative of going into the wilderness to be tempted was of the spirit. The initiative to fast was from Jesus. And when the leading of the spirit was married to fasting for that 40, 40 days, the Bible says he returned in the power of the spirit. He went filled. He came back full of power. What happened? What happened? What happened to that man? He was tempted but came back with power. It was those 40 days. And that's why after 40 days, Satan tempted him with the very same thing that he decided to do. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Because he was hungry after 40 days. Let your will be done. See why you don't see God's will in your life? Amen. You there? Psalms, please. Chapter 35. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 35, chapter, verse 13. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was what? Sackcloth. And I humbled myself. I humbled myself with what? Not with prayer, with fasting. Prayer will never humble you. Getting it, Chris. I humbled myself with fasting. Hmm. Why have these men? One of the reasons why you may ask why fasting is not a commandment in the New Testament is because of one reason. It is because it was left to the discretion of the believer. There's a reason why the Spirit intentionally left fasting to the discretion of the believer because of what the believer will go through. Because there are certain circumstances that require fast. There are certain situations that require fast. They don't require prayer. They require a fast. They require that you close your mouth. They require that you sob. 
You close your mouth. Why? In order to stir up the forces of the spirit realm. So it almost looks like the closing of the mouth here is the release of spiritual forces there. Because in both instances where we have read that men fasted and humbled themselves, God spoke and turned around their situation. Because the soul is a rebel and it needs to be renewed. It needs to be put in line. A ring is the goal, peace. Today, in science, science proves that fasting increase, increases and stimulates brain activity and brain intelligence. That it provides the brain with a higher level of clarity than when you eat. Scientists say all these things. But they have no insight into the spiritual dimension that fasting can invoke. Ha, glory to God. Sharoda sacredina pransa adose credeli cambra da so shaladia. Racabonde gresta la branda sotra telegabrato soco pradia. Shalamanda Gradiska. When three nations came against Jehoshaphat, the Bible says when he heard they were coming, he declared a whole fast. And then the Spirit of God spoke and said, This battle is not yours, but the Lord's. All he did was fast. We will fight our own battles if we continue to eat. Psalms 69 verse 10 verse 10 Marazonta karejuta krakele branzo krotozo shaladai Rasi kabonda kralishta brada skonda praveshta lahai you cannot cast the devourer out. No amount of casting, because the devourer is a principality, is a fallen angel, and you don't cast fallen angels out. You cast demons out, but not fallen angels. You cast rulers of the darkness of this world, but you don't cast fallen angels out. Because that's not a job for man, it's a job for God. That's why if no matter how strong Daniel was, how, how, how much loved he was by God, he could not directly engage the Prince of Persia. He needed to pray until another angel stronger than Gabriel came and brought and helped Gabriel to bring the answer. Why? Because those are beings beyond our own control. Our authority 
over those beings lies in our ability to posture ourselves in the right and correct positions of prayer and fasting. Jesus said this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So there are demons you can never cast out of your life. There are demons, no matter how much you pray, you can't cast them out. The only way they can be cast out is to prayer and fasting. Not prayer to cast them out, but prayer to God. Let your will be done in the activity of fasting. That's what gets the job done. So we've been praying without spiritual reinforcements. You see this thing, you've been praying about it, nothing has been changing. You say, okay, fine, I'll sort you out. You say, for the next three days, I saw, I close my mouth. I close my mouth. What gave strength to the devil over the earth was eating. What will deny power is not eating. Both Adams were tempted with the same thing to solve, to unsolve, to eat. The one ate, the other refused. Who came with power? The one who did not eat. Chapter 69, verse 10. When I wept and afflicted my soul with what? Afflicted my soul. Afflicted my soul. Just she says, when I just test my soul. Mm. You see. See why things have not been changing? Why the same demons keep reappearing? The same circumstances keep presenting themselves. No change. Why? My mouth is open. Let me show you one last scripture. Thank you, Jesus. Now you see where you've been missing. Should I watch TV when I fast? I told them, I asked them, how desperate are you for the change you are fasting for? It's all up to you. Because fasting has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with you. Spirits don't fast. People on earth will do that. Isaiah 58, let me show you this. Something strange happened to these people. We'll, we'll round off here. Something strange happened to, happened to these people. He says, cry out, cry aloud, and verse one, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression 
and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily out as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Then they are asking, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls? There's that afflict the soul again. You can see it keeps coming up. It seems like it was an ancient practice that was known as a way to afflict the soul. When we when, when we coming up in Christianity, nobody told us that fasting, the purpose of fasting was to humble ourselves and to afflict the soul. It was, they were, they were just told us it was a way for us to seek God better. While there's a truth in that, it's not complete. We have to look at how fasting was used in the Bible. And we have to go back to where it was mentioned. Thou shalt not be. It had nothing to do with prayer, but everything to do with obedience, everything to do with humility, and everything to do with proving our love for God. And after man fell, it was used as a way to bring back the soul into alignment to, with God's purposes. To invoke the spiritual forces to affect natural circumstances and situations. What did Daniel say? He says, I fasted and prayed and sought the mercies of God. One day, remember when the, all, the, all the presidents and princes and governors went to the king, Darius, and tried to change the law that no man should pray for 30 days to any god except to the king. And then Daniel went to go pray and they got him there and they took him and they put him in the lion's den. What many people don't realize, they say, what many people think and assume is that Daniel was saved because of the law, right? Emphatically, he was, but there's something that was done that initiated and invoked that power to work so that the lion did not kill. Remember, what did King Darius do? The Bible says he did not eat all night, nor did he bring in the singers nor the dancers, but the entire night he mourned with fasting. So fasting sets in motion what spiritual forces on our behalf. Hallelujah. And did not forsake the ordinance of their God. Why have we fasted? They ask in God and you take no notice. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fight for strive and debate to strike with the fist of wickedness. Right? All that, all that. Verse 5, listen to what he says. Is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? He's asking them all this based on what they will do, right? Verse 6, is this, then he refers to a, the fast that he has chosen. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Listen, look at that. Look at what the fast does. The fast that he chooses. It does four things. 
It does what? It undoes the works of Satan. Then he says, it undoes heavy burdens. Then he says, it deals with oppression. Then he says, it breaks every home. Is, is this the fast and the prayer? Is this the, this is the fast? Four dimensions are taken. And, all, and it, does, it has to do with what? Demonic activity. The first four things that the fast that God chooses deals with is demonic activity. So he says this fast deals with demonic. This will let us in to why Jesus fasted those 40 days. Because those 40 days, you bet he wasn't praying. Because it was not time for prayer. It was time for temptation. Try it. He was on trial to see if he was fit to handle the power. So he did what? He fasted in order for him to what? To get on the level where he can successfully refute the devil. Had he not fasted, he would not resist the devil. So fasting allowed his spirit to get to a place of dominion and power where whatever trial, whatever temptation the devil brought against him, he could successfully stand against. Why? Because the fast that he has chosen deals with all forms of demonic activity. So if we, we find ourselves in the trench of demonic activity in our lives, what is required for us is to enter the fast that God chooses. The song, the song, the primary, the primary foundation of fast is that you close the mouth. And that you don't allow anything in. Oh, my God. Witchcraft, all these things. He says, what deals with it? Fast. Not prayer. Fast. So Chris can be, can be sitting in his house for two days just reading his Bible with the intention. With the intention that he's closing his mouth. And unbeknownst to him in the spirit, angels of God will be dismantling yokes, destroying, lifting burdens. And, and all of a sudden he finds himself after that fast more freer, with more clarity. All of a sudden the strength that he required to do certain things to achieve his goal is now there. And he can do things that he did not think he could do before. All of a sudden he sees his life heading in an upward trajectory. Is it sickness? <laughs> Let's see. Verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Look at that. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your light and your healing shall spring forth speedily. Maybe, maybe your slow reader or slow-minded, he says fasting will correct that. He says your healing, both spiritually and physically and solically, he says your healing shall spread. I mean, speed forth. Like, 
speedily. Yeah, I'm sick. I'm sick. I've been praying for God to heal me. Proclaim the fast. He said you will not eat because some of those foods are the ones that are propelling your sickness anyway. I read, I read the other day, I think three weeks back, Will Smith, you know Will Smith, right? Yes. He was diagnosed with an uncurable blood disease. So he, had, they, he was told he needs to take pills for the rest of his life. You know what the guy did? He fasted 10 days. He went back to the doctor. He was clean of that disease. He's a sin. He's a sin. He's a sinner. Who healed him? Satan? <laughs> the same God who let Ahab and Nineveh go is the same God who attended with me. My people who are called by my name. and your righteousness shall go before you the glory of the Lord shall be your real God then you shall call look at where prayer comes way later then you shall call and the Lord will answer you shall cry and he will say here I am here. if you take away the yoke from your midst the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness if you extend your soul to the hungry then your light shall turn shall dawn in darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a well-watered garden and like a spring whose waters do not fail. came against him. Read the story. They were all ambushed and they all died. Who came out with the victory? Jehoshaphat. What initiated the victory? Yeah? 
confident dah pasti loyal asal betul betul in the spirit you are what you are as weak as a mouse and go to the mountains and pray. Do you do you think he was when he was there the mountain was picking off 
trees <laughs> and fruit tall. He did that intentionally to separate himself from the, from the world and everything he needs. The power to change circumstances lies in the mystery and power of humbling yourself, afflicting your soul through the act of fasting. so spiritually weak. Or presently you are in Abushi. You are held hostage in your sin. In your own body. Jesus, he ate locusts and honey. He lived in the desert. Yet, the Bible says he was the greatest man alive. Lord, why is my life so slow? Lord, why is my life so full of delays? know what he'll say? Daughter, son, it's because you eat too much. The diabetes said you got some man. Never did some man. So, what? So, you wake up say, no, today I saw Listen, 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 listen,
On the other hand, wakwata. I shared what I needed to share. Now it's up to you. How you would increase the intensity in your life. Go over the scriptures that we have discussed today. Read them, think about them, ponder. And then look at your own situations. Look at your own life. And ask yourself, if the same God that did it for them is able to do it for me. And you will find that the answer is an emphatic yes. And then what you begin to do, you begin to sow. May you help us, Father. Understand and learn the secret of power. Of so much spiritual force. And may you deliver it so deep and so powerfully within our hearts that there will be no shadow, no doubt as to the direction and as to what we need to do. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that as you have provided us with the information, supply us with the grace. Supply us with the strength. For it is God who works in us both to will and to do. So will it in us and do it with us. We are asking you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Nor, Ebona. So some of you, 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 you don't realize that for those seasons when there was no food in the house, it was actually grace. And now that there is food. You must willfully reject it. Close the mouth. Close. Close the mouth. Afflict the soul. Humble yourself. And see the fruit and the result that comes with it. Amen. Thank you for giving me your time. We needed to get this thing out, right? Yeah, so if you recorded it, you can go through it over and over again. Listen to it over and over again. And get the scriptures. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, before we go, uh, the book, all right? Share it and like. I told you.